just a heads up. Um, I did not know that James Harden uh got traded into the like the breaking news, the breaking news about James Harden getting traded to the Nets. I did not know until the end of my podcast. I did not know about the breaking news until the end of my podcast. So I will, you won't hear me talk about James Harden um, into the Nets because I don't, I didn't, I didn't know it happened <laughs> in real time. I did not know it happened um, until the end of my episode. So obviously I, I'll be talking about James Harden going to the Nets on my next episode, but you will not hear that because it didn't happen yet. It didn't happen as I was recording. So enjoy this episode. Um, I do talk about Kyrie Irving and James Harden, but the trade did not happen. It did not occur until the end of my episode. Enjoy. Okay. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back to another episode of the IKP, the Isaiah Kid Podcast. I'm your humble and highly favorite host, Isaiah Kid. And <laughs> we had another eventful weekend. Um I mean, NFL, the NFL playoffs, the wild wild card weekend was real was spectacular. I think they were calling it Super Wild Card Weekend this year. That it was super. It was super. The games came on a Saturday, Sunday, really good. I enjoyed that. Um, you know, just a couple days of football of just full football action. Really eventful. But I don't know what's in what's in the water in Houston. Like what? What's in the water in Houston? I mean, James Harden. We already know he wanted out. Deshaun Watson, you know that. You know he wants out. It seems like um, Kyrie Irving and this drama that's going on in Brooklyn. I swear I did not want to touch on this, but I'm gonna I'm gonna have to talk about this. I oh my gosh! But I, I'm gonna I'm gonna get to those things. But let me address. And and by the way, I went five and one in my predictions for Wild Card Weekend, so I, I'm getting on. I'm getting off to a good start into the playoffs. But you know, you guys already figured who that one loss came to. Who? With, with, I'm, I went five and one. <laughs> you know who that one loss was? The fraudulent Steelers. The fraudulent Steelers. Um, I have. I I I I warn people about this fraudulent Stiller team. The Stillers are fraudulent. Stop it. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. The Stillers are fraudulent. I try I try to soften the blow for Stiller fans because I know that I have I have good friends. I have close friends that are Stiller fans. I know older people that are Stiller fans. Or elderly, I should say. I know mid-aged people that are still fans. There's a there, there's a there's there's a good share of people that listen to this podcast that are still fans. And when I said when I first said this that the Steelers are fraudulent, I think I've said this back in October and November. I said the Steelers are fraudulent. They are as fraudulent as they come. The Pittsburgh Steelers are as fraudulent as they come. And so many people, oh, my God, what are you talking about? You don't know. You're a hater. What do you know? And all I, and this is what I mean. The Steelers, this is the, this is the reality of what the Steelers have become <clears throat> as, as far as an organization. I'm not saying it's a bad organization. It's not a bad organization by any means. 
But we think of the Steelers and we think of the six Super Bowls and and the legendary players and the coaching stability. And they and that's great. That's all good and gravy. But would I have would I have watched over the last several years this Steelers franchise is turning into a franchise that you know make the playoffs maybe win a game but nothing more than that and i know so much so much of their fan base they're used to winning super bowls they're used to being legit super bowl contenders but over the last several years the stillers haven't been that they haven't they first they haven't they first over the last few years they haven't been legit super bowl contenders and over the last several years they have yet to reach the super bowl in 10 years it's been a decade it's been since 2010 since the stillers have gone to the super bowl and ben roethlisberger oh man, i mean big ben i told you guys big ben looked more like uncle ben he look i, I mean hello Hello, is anybody home? Is anybody home? I mean, come on. The Steelers, you got to move off of Big Ben. You have to move off of Big Ben. The Steelers got mollywop by Cleveland, 48 to 37, and it wasn't even that close. The score, the score doesn't even give you the right sense, and it doesn't even show you how bad that game was. That was that was piss poor, and I gave you guys. I gave you guys, and I'm talking to Steeler Nation. I gave you guys the harsh truth about the Pittsburgh Steelers, and it was not nothing schematically that could be done. This is not a schematically. This is not a scheme issue. This is a personnel issue. The Steelers have personnel issues. And when I mean by personnel, I mean like first, let, take for instance. Let's look, let's look at Big Ben. Let's put let's put Ben Roethlisberger under the microscope. Ben Roethlisberger, yes, okay, you're gonna you're gonna people gonna look at his stats and say, oh my God, Big Ben had 500 yards. What are you talking about? 400 of those yards came when the game was over. So don't give me that. Don't give me that BS. Don't don't give me that. Don't 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 give me that stat. Oh my God, Big Ben had 500 yards. What are you talking about? 400 of those yards came when the game was over and it wasn't even close. Big Ben is no longer a quarterback who can play 16 games. He's no longer a he he, he he's just it's just not who it's just not what it is. And this 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 is the fact of the matter. This is what I talked about before the season. Ben Roethlisberger is no longer a quarterback who can play a whole entire season. He's no longer that. He's no longer that. And people thought I was trying to be funny. No, he Big Ben looks more like Uncle Ben. He's no longer a quarterback that can play 16, 17, 18. Like he can't play, he can't play this long into the season. And if you're the Steelers, I know he won you two Super Bowls. Ben Roethlisberger is going to be a future Hall of Famer, but you got to move on. You got to move on. You you have to move on. Stop dwelling on the past. It seems like this is what the Steelers organization and their fans have become. 
They are dwelling on the past. Yes, you have six Super Bowls. Four of those came in the 1970s. It's a great franchise. It's a historic franchise. I understand that. But look at what has be look at what has look at what it, what has been becoming of the Steelers over the last 10 years. You haven't gotten to the Super Bowl in the last 10 years. The last time you went was 2010. You have another disappointing early exit in the playoffs. And get this. It came to the Browns. And I know as a I, I, I don't know. But I know for a lot of Stiller fans, this is as low as it can get. This is the, this is the lowest point for the Steelers and it and its fan base. You lost a home playoff game, a home playoff game. And not just lost, like you got embarrassed. And guess who did it? Guess who embarrassed the Steelers at home during a playoff game? The Cleveland Browns. The Cleveland Browns, and let's put some respect on their name. They're, this is not the same old Cleveland Browns. This is a revitalized culture. So this is not the same old Cleveland Browns. But nevertheless, it's the Cleveland Browns that embarrassed the Steelers at home and, and gave them that butt. This, is, this, this was an old-fashioned butt with The game was over at the first quarter. The game was over in the first quarter. Mike Tomlin, he's not going to get fired. Mike Tomlin's not going to get fired because the Steelers just don't – they don't fire their coaches. They've literally had three co- – they, They've the Steelers literally has had three coaches in their in their franchise history. Chuck Noll, Bill Coward, Mike Tomlin. So they're not going to fire Mike Tomlin, and they shouldn't. I'm not saying they should. They shouldn't fire Mike, they shouldn't fire Mike Tomlin. Mike Tomlin has never had a losing season. Um, I think I, I, if you want to be honest, over these last two years, he's he's done some really good coaching jobs because if you look at this roster from top to bottom, it's not that spectacular. The roster from top to bottom is not that spectacular. So I I give even more credit to Mike Tomlin because over the last few years, it just these rosters haven't been great. But nevertheless, this is this is this Mike Tomlin got out coached once again. Um, the, the Steelers did not look prepared. They didn't look. They didn't look prepared for the moment. And I don't know if they thought this was going to be easy because the Browns. I mean, the Browns. Look at the look at the Browns' circumstances. The Browns didn't have their coach. The Browns um, were missing one of their best. They were missing an All-Pro offensive lineman. They were missing two of their best players in the secondary. And get this, they haven't practiced all week. They were practicing on Zoom. They were meeting up on Zoom. So, I, I, you know, you look at the Brown circumstances, it wasn't that great. And Mike Tomlin, I don't know if they thought this is going to be easy and this is going to be, you know, you throw out the ball and you roll the ball out and this is going to be a cakewalk. But it was surely not that. And the, and the Steelers knew that. The Steelers knew that it wasn't going to be a cakewalk when they looked up at that scoreboard and they were down twenty-eight nothing in the first quarter. That 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 that's embarrassing. That that's embarrassing right there. That is embarrassing. So, like I said, Mike Thomas not going to get fired. Ben Roethlisberger, he's he's a Hall of Fame quarterback. But the reality is, the Steelers they have to move off of Big Ben, and this is and that's what and that was my main question. That was my main question throughout the offseason. I told you guys, 
Ben Roethlisberger, Ben Roethlisberger offseason. Ben Roethlisberger, he is not, he's not on the TB12 diet. He's not, he's not doing what Tom Brady is doing to keep his body in shape. Ben Roethlisberger is not the workout guru that that many other athletes are. He's just not. He is a guy that enjoys the offseason. He is a guy that enjoys a couple beers, and he does some occasional yoga. That's not going to work out. And Ben, at this advanced age, at, at you know, with him being 38, he looks he looks out of shape. He looks slow. He just he just don't have it. He look real. He he look he he moves really stiff. You gotta move off him. And then for Mike Tomlin, he's like I said, he's not gonna get fired. I don't think Mike I don't think Mike Tomlin should get fired. I don't think he should. I don't think he. I don't think he should get fired. But once again, this is another hiccup in the postseason, and. This is what we have come to terms with. This is what the Steelers have. I mean, this is what they've been. This is what they've become over the last several years. A couple early playoff exits. Um, you know, they got to the Super Bowl 10, 11 years ago. But this is what they have become. This is what they have become. This is what the Steelers have become. I mean, I, I, I told you guys they were fraudulent. They proved me right. They proved me right that they are fraudulent. The Steelers are fraudulent, um, and they and quite frankly, a lot of their young players do too much talking. They do a lot of talking. Chase Claypool, Juju Smith-Schuster, and I'm not blaming the loss on them, but might want to tone it down a little bit. But but once again, this is what the Steelers organization has become. Now let's shift gears to. This never, this never-ending story, saga in Houston with Deshaun Watson in Houston Texans. So I've done more digging on this Deshaun Watson story because when I dropped Saturday's episode, I wanted to do more research. I wanted to do more research on. What exactly is happening and going on in this Texans organization? Um, I, and I also wanted to know, like, okay, Deshaun, he signed Deshaun Watson signed the contract, and I've been hearing people, oh well, and, and they've been saying this about Deshaun Watson. Well, if Deshaun, if well, Deshaun, if the franchise was that bad. Why would you sign the four-year deal? Why would you sign the contract? And that's a very good point. But I would rebu- I would rebuttal that statement with, well, you look at the circumstances. First, we all know why Deshaun Watson signed that contract. He signed that contract because it was the second largest deal in NFL history. I repeat, it was the second largest deal in NFL history. And, and given the fact, you look at Deshaun Watson and his injury history, he's a terrific player, and he's worth the money. But you look at his injury history, I mean, it would be it would be foolish. It would have been foolish of him to not take the deal. He's had, I think, so at Clemson, I think he tore his ACL at least once at Clemson. Or he's had a couple knee. He's he's had. I know for sure he's had a couple knee surgeries. 
Now, I think he tore his ACL at Clemson um, or some, something of that sort, something of that variety. And then his rookie year, his rookie year got cut short because I think he tore the other ACL. So this Deshaun Watson is a guy where his play style, um, I don't want to say it's I don't want to say like it's ruthless and it's out of control, but he does a lot of improvising and moving around and 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 at times he can take a physical beating. And then you're given the fact of his injuries. So I understand why he take the deal. And his thought process was probably like, hey, let me take the deal. Um, if I don't like it in a, another year or two, I can request a trade. And that's what a, that's what it looks like he's doing right now. So that's one that's one that's one argument that or that's one statement that I keep hearing from people. And I'm just that and that would be my rebuttal. And I think that was his thought process. Now, second. People are saying, well, why does why does Deshaun Watson want to run the organization? He he wants to call the shots. I don't think Deshaun, this is also another rebuttal. I don't think Deshaun Watson wants to run the organization. I don't think he is saying, hey, if you don't get this guy, I'm gonna I don't think he's giving ultimatums. And I don't think he does. I don't think he does want to give ultimatums. But I do, I do think. He wants the he wants the front office and ownership and management to to let him you know give give some some type of input some type of insight or or give him a heads up at least like hey we're doing this hey we're moving in this direction because if you look at the personnel moves that they have made if you look at the personnel moves that they have made they have traded DeAndre Hopkins as I mentioned already in the previous episode, prior to trading to prior to trading um, away DeAndre Hopkins, they traded away Clowney. Now I'm not the biggest Clowney fan, but Clowney is still a really productive player. Like he's a he's a he's a good player. I don't think he's as good as everybody. Um, as I don't think he's as good as he thinks, but I think Clowney's a good player. Nevertheless, they traded they traded Clowney away for a bag of chips. They traded a top three All Pro wide receiver like DeAndre Hopkins. They traded away from for, they traded away him for a bag of peanuts. So, I think you look at the personnel moves that they have made. I think anybody would be scratching their head, like, "Hey, you know what? Um, before you make any more like significant moves, how about you, you know, tell me and give me a heads up at least." Okay, so I don't think Deshaun Watson wants to run. I don't think he wants to run the organization. I just think he wants a quick heads up and maybe give his insight. That's fine. That's fine. Because at this point, you look at what's left of the Houston Texans. Deshaun Watson, like I said on the previous episode, Deshaun Watson is the only sign in life of hope. He's the only sign of hope that 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 Houston has left. And I, I, I'm not even sure if that's. And we don't we don't know how this thing's gonna play out. So that's 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 two that's two statements that I keep hearing, and those are my two rebuttals. Those are my two rebuttals. I keep hearing, hey, Deshaun Watson, why would you sign a deal if you knew you didn't if you if you didn't have total faith in the management and ownership because of those reasons I listed or gave. Um, and then the second response that I keep hearing, 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 hearing is, hey, Deshaun, you can't run the organization. 
you you know we don't we don't want Deshaun Watson. Okay, you don't want him. He I don't think he's trying to run the organization. I don't think he's trying to call the shots. I just think you know he's looking at the personnel changes and decisions that you guys have made over the last few years, and just haven't been great. <laughs> and, and and the exchange that you get back, you get back nothing. You get back a bag of peanuts and some chips, and you called it a day. So that's that's that. Now I've done more digging in in my digging. In my research, uh, the owner, the owner of the Houston Texans, he told Deshaun Watson, "Hey, in this GM hiring, we're going to involve you." Nevertheless, they did not do that. The Houston Texans did not involve Deshaun Watson. So that's one thing. And and as the owner, you didn't have to, you didn't have to tell Deshaun Watson that, "Hey, we're going to involve you um, in the GM hiring." You didn't have to tell him that. You didn't have to say that. You just involve him if you wanted to involve him. Okay. But then, then, the Houston Texans, they have spent hundreds of thousands of dollars for a search committee to make recommendations. And from what I'm, from what I saw in hearing, the search committee was a committee of people, obviously, um, that the Houston Texans were taking recommendations on who to hire as the GM, who to hire as the coach. And I think two people, the two notable names in that committee is Tony Dungy, former NFL coach, you know, Indianapolis, Tampa Bay. And then Houston Texans wide receiver legend, Andre Johnson. Those are the two people that I keep hearing that was a part of this committee. Tony Dungy and Andre Johnson. Both are, legend are legendary figures in their own right. And we all know the Houston Texans we all know the Houston Texans, um, their, you know, their, their, their GM that they hired was Nick Casario. Now, Nick Casario, there was five. Now, also, I must say this. There were five people that the search committee came up with. It was a list of five people that, that the search committee came up with. Nick Casario was not one of those five people. I repeat, he was Nick Casario was not one of those five people that was on the list that the search committee had come up with. Okay. So <laughs> you what was the purpose? You you spent money on a search committee to give you recommendations they give you recommendations. They give you a list of people, and the person you hired wasn't even on the list of recommendations? What? You can't make this up. You can't make this up. But that's not, that's not, that's not, that's not all. So can we can we pull up the Andre Johnson tweet? Can 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 we can we pull up the Andre Johnson tweet? I need that Andre Johnson tweet. 
Okay, and we have the Andre Johnson tweet. And I must say, when Andre Johnson speaks, like Andre Johnson, he's one of those uh, those classy guys, cla- real classy dude, class personified. And when he speaks, you should probably listen because he's not the like outspoken type of guy, but he can he can get to that point. And I think, and and this is what his tweet reads: If I'm the if I'm Deshaun Watson, I will stand my ground. The Texans organization is known for wasting players' careers. Since Jack Easterby, Easterby, excuse me, has walked into the building, nothing good has happened in the in or for the organization. And for some reason, someone can't seem to see to see what's going on. Pathetic. Okay, so Jack Easterby. Now you guys probably don't know who Jack Easterby is. Don't worry. I didn't know either until I did some research. So Jack Easterby, he's a he he's he's like a team executive. Now you guys don't want to know how he climbed the ladder of being a team executive. This and I have nothing against it. I have nothing against it. But Jack Easterby was brought in to be a team pastor. Jack Easterby went from team pastor to being an executive, running and calling the shots as far as football moves. Now I have no, I, I like this is no um this is no uncommon ground for teams to bring in like um team pastors and 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 people that deal with uh development and so forth like off the floor and off the field you you this is no un, this is no uncommon ground where teams bring in people you know of that sort i have i have no problems with the team pastor but for jack easterby to go from team pastor to team executive hold up wait that, wait that's two different things that, that, that this is this is I mean I hate to say it and I, I've heard people allude to this but they, they they're saying this is like a cult this is some type of culty thing that they have going on in Houston what's happening what, what, what is happening so if I'm Deshaun Watson I I think my my advice to Deshaun Watson was hey give it another year or two since you have four years left on your, or since you have like four or three years left on your deal, you just signed the deal. Give it another year or so. That was my advice. Previous episode. Until I found out all of this, <laughs> I didn't. I didn't know that the Texans had hired a search committee, and the search committee came up with recommendations, and the Texans didn't follow those recommendations. I didn't know the Texans had. Jack Easterby as a team pastor, but now he's a team executive calling all the shots. Mm, I didn't know all of this. And like I said, nothing wrong with a team pastor. Nothing wrong with like bringing in self-development coaches. Nothing wrong with that. But he went from team pastor to team executive. 
That's a that's that's a whole different thing. That's 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 two different spectrums. Uh, he was he was supposed to be developing. He was supposed to be developing certain guys, not 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 trying to put together a roster. So I I think this is a total disconnect. Um, I think Deshaun Watson. It even furthers my point. Deshaun Watson should want out of Houston because I don't know what this is. I I don't know what they're doing. Um, the owner. He's made some bonehead. He's made some bonehead decisions. I already told you guys. My I already gave you guys my take on Nick Casario and the hiring. I don't. I don't love the Nick Casario hiring. And then also, the Houston Texans are the last team to reach out to Eric Bieniemy and say, "Hey, we'll we get your interview." Even though Deshaun Watson has recommended Eric Bieniemy. And he's been he's been fully supportive of Eric Bimini, of Eric Bimini getting the job. It, it just seems like it, it seems like um it's a, it's a, it's a, there's a disconnect with this Texans franchise organization. There's a disconnect somewhere, like so, something ain't right. Something ain't right because uh, first you 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 I mean I'm just I'm just trying to. Can some am, am I am I am I am I tripping? Am I going crazy? Like, <laughs> and I know I'm not tripping, but you you hire a search committee. If you were if you were just gonna hire Nick Casario the whole time, why not just hire him and and save your time and money that was wasted with the search committee? I I, I don't understand it. And then Jack Easterby. I don't know what that is. I I don't know. I, you, you that that's a strange, that's a strange promotion. I mean, he had, he's and by the way, he's had a list of NFL jobs. He's had a list of NFL jobs. Like he worked with the Patriots before. He's worked with you know obviously he's working with the Texans, but he's had a list of jobs. But his first job was team pastor. Now, he's an executive, so uh, I don't know. I don't. I don't know what to say. Deshaun Watson should want out. He he has every right to to want. Yeah, he should want out. He should want out. He should want out of Houston. Yes. Ah man, I, I did not see that coming. Um, <clears throat> Deshaun Watson. Yeah, he he should want out. And if he doesn't get like if he can't force his way out quite like quite if he can't force his way out, you know, and they hire Eric Permitimi and it doesn't work out, it's gonna, you know, people gonna point the finger and say, Hey, Deshaun Watson, this was your guy. This was the guy that you wanted to hire. So that could get a bit tricky. But this is a this is a sticky situation. Um <laughs> I'm gonna catch you guys after this quick break. That was a that's a sticky situation. That Deshaun Watson really wants out of, and rightfully so. Okay, so let's move on to Kyrie Irving. Um, I'm gonna tell you guys this. <laughs> I'm gonna tell you guys this. I think I told I told so I was watching. I think I was watching the Nets game last week. I was watching the Nets game, and I was gonna talk about this. I didn't want to. I didn't really want to touch bases on this, but. I'm gonna talk about it. And when I was watching the Nets game, 
And I think that was that was the night the Nets played the 76ers on TNT. The Nets played the 76ers on TNT, and that was the first game that Kyrie missed due to personal reasons. And I, and I told I told the person I was watching the game where I was like, I would I would rather deal with James Harden and that you know his strip club. You can you guys can say strip club, overweight, not inspired. You can say whatever you want. I'd rather deal with James Harden than to deal with Kyrie Irving. Um, at this point, Kyrie. I, I, I've already heard people allude to Kyrie contemplating like he should retire. Um, I, I don't know if you guys know, but around the league, that has always been that 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 statement has always has already been echoed about um, Kyrie and his early retirement. Like that that statement has already been played around with and it would be and people around the league obviously it catch fans by surprise but people around the league it wouldn't catch them by surprise cuz many um many GMs many many executives have already stated like hey this guy Kyrie he moves different and it wouldn't surprise me if he retired early and that that you know I'm not so I'm not going to echo those sentiments but I'm just laying it out there on the forefront with Kyrie Irving, at this point, he's a headache. He and I, I'm not saying by no by no means, because I hear I this is the thing. This this is this is the thing that I have a problem with. Because I hear I often hear and I'm I'm hearing from people. I don't I don't hear it a lot, but I'm hearing from people. Oh my gosh, you guys are you guys are villainizing uh, uh, Kyrie. You guys are making him out to be the villain. You guys are making Kyrie like he's a bad person. No, no, no. I mean, at least from my from my in my opinion, from what I've been hearing, I don't think nobody is trying to make Kyrie Irving the villain. Kyrie Irving. Nobody wants to make Kyrie Irving the villain. And I, I talked about this a couple months ago. I think right before the season started, I said, Kyrie, Kyrie, he's a he's a phenomenal player. But remember, he had all that media stuff going on. Like, I'm not talking to the media. And the media, you guys are pawns. And um, I'm I'm smarter. Than, like, remember he had that going on a couple months ago, or, or like a month ago, or a couple months ago, or so or so, back in December, and. I basically said, hey, like, he's a great basketball player, but Kyrie, like, he's his he's his worst enemy. Kyrie, Kyrie shoots himself in the foot. Like, nobody goes after like oh, oh like oh my god, this guy's a bad guy. Like, nobody's saying that. And I'm not I'm not saying that. But boy, Kyrie Irving is a headache. He is a headache. And if you and if you're the Brooklyn Nets, you have to ask yourself. Is he worth all of this? Is he worth the headache? No, he's not. He's not worth it. He's a he's a he's a tremendous basketball player. But in the last 2 years, he's played 27 games. Now, when he first when he first signed a contract with the Net, with the Nets 2 years ago or a year and a half ago, oh so you you guys understand. 
He signed a four-year, $141 million deal. And he's played 27 games in a Nets uniform in two years. And you got to start asking yourself, is this guy fully committed to basketball? And it's a in judging his actions, it's a it's it's a legitimate question to ask. Is this guy interested in basketball? And I know, you know, personal reasons. I don't think now. I don't want to. I don't. I could be wrong, but I don't think these personal reasons, quote unquote, are mental health reasons. Um, I, 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 many, many people believe that it's because of the capital situation that happened last week. Okay. Okay. I, 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 okay. I guess I understand, but you're the only NBA player that's, that's, that's taking time away from the game that due to the cat, like everybody, okay. Everybody's is, everybody is is kind of dramatized about the the capital situation. We get it. But this is this is this is selfish. This comes off as selfish. How do you guys how, I mean, how you think about you think about KD and like how guys like KD and Curtis LeVert and Joe Harris and Jared Allen feel? You 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 ever wonder how they feel about this? Steve like that night of when the with when the Nets played the 76ers the co- the head coach Steve Nash didn't even know where Kyrie was. He didn't even know where Kyrie was. He was a no show. He like it's it's not only that he didn't play. He didn't show up at the arena. He was a no show. And I get it. You wanna you if you're Kyrie, you wanna focus on social issues. Okay, it's nothing wrong with focusing on social issues. But your main priority, the main thing. You got to keep the main thing the main thing. You have to keep the main thing the main thing. And the main thing, the main priority of Kyrie Irving is to play basketball. That's it. That's He signed a four-year contract with the Nets to play basketball. You can, I'm not saying you can't serve and do all these things in the community. I'm not saying he's a bad guy. I'm not saying he can't stand up and talk on social issues. Of course, LeBron James does it. LeBron James does it, but LeBron James also comes to play. He comes to play. And if you're Kyrie, you got to you got to stop it, bro. I mean, come on. Come on. But if I was the Nets, seriously speaking, seriously speaking, if I was the Nets, I would legitimately call Kyrie Irving set up a Zoom, something. And I would ask him, are you committed to basketball? Like, are you, like, do you want to play, like, do you want to play basketball at the NBA level? Do do you want to play basketball? Okay, if you do, okay, cool. And the moment I get off that call or, or whatever, I'm calling around and shopping for trade packages. I, I'm getting Kyrie out of here. I'm sorry. He's not worth it. He's he, 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 I mean, he's a great basketball player, but he's not worth the 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 unknown and the headache. You you're not really you're not fully sure if he's committed. I would trade him for James Harden. I would take I would rather take I would rather deal with James Harden 
in the, in the you know the strip club stuff and you can say James Harden party too much you can say James Harden strip club but James Harden when inspired because right now in Houston he's not inspired and I'm gonna talk I'm gonna I'm gonna touch bases on that Houston situation I don't know what's going on in Houston but I'm gonna touch bases on that Houston situation with James Harden um and right in it this thing is it the, the James Harden stuff also it's moving fast pace it's moving fast pace but I'm gonna I'm gonna stick to right now with Kyrie but I would I you, you can say whatever you want about James Harden party too much strip club or whatever out of shape when inspired James Harden is easily a top 10 player in basketball one of the more um, lethal offensive player if not the most lethal offensive player in basketball and um when in shape when inspired he's an MVP caliber player I, I I take that I, I I take that over Kyrie because I just you just don't have time for the headache and you you know sometimes you don't want to play and you, you you know he he has this mentality of um I, I, you know you pawns don't know what's happening this thing is bigger than what you know and I'm a smart guy I, I have all the answers and this is this is what this this is how Kyrie comes across. This is how this is how this exactly this is exactly how Kyrie Irving comes across. I'm you know I'm 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 Kyrie Irving. I, I I'm he 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 think he literally thinks he is the smartest man in the room. He is he thinks he's the smartest guy in every room he walks in, and he's not. He's not. And I talked about and like I said, I talked about this um, before the season started. When Kyrie was having that whole media crap, where he was like, "Oh, I'm not talking to the media," and um, you know, the media, they're pawns, and uh, you know, where I'm thinking above their level, I'm over their heads, and so forth. And it's like, okay, okay. But I told you guys, I told you guys uh, right before the season, Kyrie Irving is his worst. He's his worst own enemy. He he is his own enemy. He he's literally his own enemy. I'm not saying and and now, you know, on Monday there's a video surfacing, it's surfacing social media. Him at a at his I think his sister's birthday party. I have no problem with, but also I look at the fact that you have no mask on. It looks like there were more than 15 people within this gathering, this social gathering, his sister's birthday. So I'm not saying you can't go to your sister's birthday because I understand sibling birthday, close family knit, you know, somebody in your family, somebody in your family, you know, having a birthday party, you go to it. Sure. But you're not following NBA COVID-19 protocols with no mask. Um, you, 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 you. it looks like more than 15 people you're dancing around. I, I, I don't know what's, and, and maybe that, that maybe that's helping him mentally. I don't know. Um, or helping him get over like the personal reasons and problems. I don't, I don't know, but I just don't think it's worth the headache. And can we say we're surprised by this with Kyrie Irving? No, we can't be surprised by this. We saw it in Cleveland. We saw it in Boston, and now we're seeing it in Brooklyn. It's who he is. He's different. He's a different type of guy. Kyrie Irving at this point is a different type of guy. Um, now whether the Nets want to stick with that and deal with that, that's up to them. But I'm telling you, uh, despite what's going on with James Harden right now, and you know he's not like in the best light right now. 
I would rather deal with the James Harden stuff and, you know, that stuff. I'd rather deal with him than this baggage that Kyrie Irving carries. Sorry. And it's nothing against Kyrie. I don't think Kyrie's a bad person. Like, and I like, I don't know why we can't criticize people without people saying, oh, you think he's a bad person? He's bad. Oh my God. No, I don't think he's bad. I don't think Kyrie's, I don't think Kyrie Irving's a bad person. I don't think he's out, you know, with malicious intents. But, or intent, excuse me. But the fact that we can't criticize people without people saying, hey, you you think he's bad? You think he's, I don't think he's bad. <laughs> like, no, stop it. I don't think he's bad. I don't think he's a villain. Now, you know, is he is he not the most liked player in the NBA? Probably so. But like I said, Kyrie Irving is his worst enemy. Like he, like the stuff that he says, we don't like the media doesn't take it out of proportion. The media doesn't take it out of context. He says it. <laughs> Kyrie Irving says it. He says it out of his own mouth. So I don't, I don't, I don't think so. But um, let's go on to James Harden. <laughs> so many topics to tackle today. I told you guys. Uh, let's move on to James Harden and the Houston Rockets in this uh in his situation in Houston. <laughs> and let me just piggyback back on Kyrie before I move on to the James Harden topic in Houston. But it just shows you the difference in NBA media and NFL media. And I, I I've been, you know. I've been recognized it, but it's it's very glaring when it's a situation like this. Like it 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 clearly shows the difference. In the NBA, you have a guy like Kyrie Irving, right? Where he's missing games, personal reasons, so forth, so forth. And it's it's a selfish act. You, no matter how you want to chop it up, like you can say, Oh my god, he's with his family, you know, at a family function and so forth. Yes, that's cool and gravy. I'm glad for that. I'm happy for that, but it's also you you, you know, you, you still have to work, right? You know that, right? You, so, like, you still have obligations to fill, and they're not being fulfilled. So that's one situation right there, and it's just pure selfishness and kind of narcissistic activity, or um, I should say behavior. But with – I have two example, two prime examples in the NFL, like um, Earl Thomas and Antonio Brown. Earl Thomas um, didn't work out in Seattle. Pete Curl, player-friendly coach, didn't work out in Seattle. Then he had his troubles in Baltimore. Didn't work. Ultimately, did not work in Baltimore. Uh, you know that you you guys know that whole scoop what happened in Baltimore and the Houston Texans ownership and management. They wanted him, but the players are like, mm, Nah, we're good. We're hard pass. We're good. We don't need him. Right? Texas didn't sign him. Um, and the media went after Earl Thomas. And I'm not saying they, they I'm not saying they were wrong. No, they were they were completely right. And then you look at a guy like Antonio Brown, where similar circumstance to Earl Thomas, um, where selfish acts and so forth, and team just got tired of dealing with it, media aired them out, and so forth, rightfully so. You look at a guy like Kyrie Irving in this particular situation, the, it just shows you the NBA media uh, and, you know, how certain teams don't want to come across as, oh, my God, you know, they don't want to – it's a player-friendly friendly, friendly league, and they don't want to lose – player interests and so forth you get all of that but it just it does show you the difference in between nba media and the nfl media where people are very hesitant to come out and say anything about kyrie Irving, like oh my he's a star so we can't say nothing bad about him and so forth get over it get over it but 
um, Kyrie, and, and you look at a guy like KD, KD, you look at when he left at Golden State, KD had Steph as his wingman. And yes, him and, you know, the Warriors and, you know, Draymond and KD, you know, they had their rough, their rough patches and rough moments and rough spots, but boy, they were like, they were, they, they seemed to be a, a close knitted group. Um, this this franchise, the Warriors franchise, front office was very much functionable. And you look at the Nets, you're like, oh my God, it's Sean Marks. You got Sean Marks. You got Steve Nash walking on eggshells. Steve Nash is a first year head coach. That's that's also another element. Like you 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 put in the good word for Steve Nash. You vouched for Steve Nash to get the coaching job, and then you do this to him. It's just. It's just backwards, and you would think Kyrie Irving, he didn't want to be in Cleveland. He left Cleveland. He didn't want to be in Boston. He left Boston. He chose Brooklyn. He chose Brooklyn. He chose to be in Brooklyn as a net. As a net, he chose to be a Brooklyn. And this is his choice, and he's still not happy? Hmm. Don't know. But let's move on to James Harden. James Harden. Can we get the clip of James Harden in his press conference um, after last night's game, after last night's butt-whipping against the Lakers? I mean, the Lakers. The First, the Rockets just don't match up well at all with the Lakers. But I'm going to give you guys my take on um, on this James Harden and this trade fiasco stuff that's going on. But, oh, my God. The, the, <laughs> the, the, the Rockets just don't match up well with the Lakers at all. And it was never close. Um, can we get that sound bite of uh, James Harden's interview? Hey, y'all. What do you, I mean, okay, you want some new sportswear? You want some new sports apparel? You want to rep your favorite team? What are you waiting for? Go over to the 47 brand. They have up to a 30% sale right now. Up to a 30% sale right now at the 47 brand. They have your favorite teams. It don't matter what sport, what league. It can be college football. It can be NBA, NFL, MLB. Um, NHL, it does not matter. The 47 brand has it. Go over there, rep your favorite team. Don't miss out on that sale. The 47 brand. What's the sound bite? It's not good enough. Um, you know, we just, we don't, you know, uh, chemistry, talent-wise, just everything. And it was clear, um, like I said, these last few games. Um, and just you know, from, from the beginning of the game, it was just aggressive. Uh, veteran team, obviously, uh, championship team, and um, you know one of the best teams that we have in this league. Um, you know, I love this city. Um, I literally, you know, done everything that I can. Um, you know, I mean, this situation is, is, is crazy. You know, it's something that I don't think can be fixed. So, um, yeah, thanks. Okay, <laughs> a lot of ums and um, yeah, thanks, gone, peace, deuces, don't want to be here no more. <laughs> That's what James Harden did, that's what he said last night, and um, ESPN, as, as I am podcasting, ESPN just came out with a report, obviously it's Woj, and Ramona Shell Shelbourne. Um, and they said the Rockets plan to keep James Harden away from the team 
until they can complete a trade involving him because obviously that that type of those comments can take a hit on the team and you know team chemistry and so forth um <laughs> I hate to sound like James Harden but no in all seriousness this situation in Houston uh Houston Houston thought they could really play the long game James Harden you know he can't be, to to start the season to begin the season he looked really good despite being out of shape and it seemed like it looks like overweight he look, and by the way James Harden he looks he looks about 10 pounds overweight he looks at least 10 he looks about 10 he looks about 8 to 10 pounds overweight um and and just looking at how he started the season I'm like okay you know he's going to be fine he's going to ride the storm until they find him a, a trade package and so forth. But these last three, four games, he hasn't even cracked the twenty-point threshold. That is, um, that is seamlessly just another day for him. That's the first time that he hasn't scored twenty points in four straight games since I think 2010, 2011, Since he was a, a, a he was a member of the Oklahoma City Thunder. So it just shows you how how potent of a score he is, um, and 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 how bad and how you know how disinterested and uninspired he has looked over these last three games that the Rockets have played in. So the Rockets thought they could play the long game. They no longer can play the long game. And I told you guys a couple weeks ago when I was I think a couple weeks a couple weeks ago when the season first started, and I said, hey. Harden looks good, and it's only going to boost his trade value. It's, his trade value is already high. So him playing well, as, as well as he played versus, like, Portland, I think he had 44 and 17 versus Portland. So, it's, you know, he was playing terrific. So, you know, his value is only going to go up. But – the Rockets thought that the Rockets were looking for an Anthony Davis type deal where Anthony Davis, the Lakers gave up two, three players and two, three picks for Anthony Davis. And that's what they got. So the Rockets were looking for a deal like that at this juncture. At this point, I don't think they look, I don't think they're going to get a deal like that. I don't think they're going to get an Anthony Davis deal. I think the Rockets and Tillman Fatita and Raphael Stone, I think they're looking at a deal such as, a couple players, uh, like a package like Ben Simmons, another player, and a pick maybe. That's that's the type of package that the Rockets, I, I would assume that the Rockets at this point would be able to get. I don't think a team, I don't think, unless like Brooklyn's really desperate um, or Philly's really desperate, I, I don't see a team giving up two and three players along with three and four picks. I just don't see that happening. Um, so I, I think that would, I think the trade package of a, a really good, all like an all-star quality player, a good player and a pick. I think that is more likely to happen uh, with James Hart. I, 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 I'm, I haven't been a huge fan of how he's been handling this situation. And then last night was just like the icing on the cake. It just, or rather not icing on the cake. Like this is a good situation <laughs> as James Harden said, but it's more adding fuel to the fire. And 
in that in that like in that clip that I let you guys listen, did James Harden say anything wrong? Like, <laughs> I mean, obviously he hasn't handled himself in the best manner, you know, with, when when requesting or demanding this trade. But the Rockets right now aren't contenders. They're nowhere near the Lakers. Uh, I don't even know if they're a playoff team. So everything he said in that in that clip, I mean, he wasn't lying. Now, should he have said it? Probably not. But everything he have said, it, it's it's it lines up pretty well. Yeah, that's the that is the fact of the matter. Um, in this whole situation with the Rockets and James Harden, and it, and it's it's just gone array. So, I think a deal will happen soon. I, if I'm the seventies and and with it and with the Rockets, we're hoping for the Rockets. We're hoping for like a team like the Seventy Sixers or the, a team like the Brooklyn Nets. Um, who were who both of those teams have been listed as teams that are very interested in James Harden. And the Rockets were hoping that they get off to a bad start. They were they were they were hoping that the that that the Nets or more so Philadelphia get off to a bad start so they're able to move off of Ben Simmons, um, a couple a, a player and some couple pick and a couple picks or one or one pick or two to get James Harden. That's what they thought. But, you know, Philadelphia, they got off to a, a pretty good start despite the COVID outbreak that they've had. Um, the Nets, they're, you know, they have the Kyrie stuff going on. So uh, we, we don't know what that what that all entails. But um, that is <laughs> that is the situation right now in Houston with James Harden. And all I can say is right now he doesn't look good. Like on and off the floor, James Harden is not in the best light. Like like on the floor, he's out of shape. He doesn't look inspired. He's just tanking it in. And I think he's doing and I truly think this is this all comes from him not being inspired. Because when inspired, James Harden is like I said, one of the more, excuse me, one of the more lethal offensive players, if not the most lethal offensive player in basketball. And when 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 inspired, he's an MVP caliber type of player. So I just don't think he's inspired right now, and he's out of shape. And then you look at his, you look at what's going on off the court with those type of comments. <laughs> it doesn't do the locker room any good. So it, the Rockets made they they had to make this this move or this announcement um, with you know he, keeping James Harden away from the team. Simple as that. Keeping James Harden away from the team. Because you don't want any, you don't want any, no, no, you don't want no more stuff rolling now, and this this locker room turns completely sour if it's not already sour. So, um, I'm gonna talk about some of these other playoff games. <laughs> this has been a a lot to unpack with these trades and these franchises and organizations and players and so forth. But uh, I'm gonna get back to the NFL playoffs for a little bit for a little bit to cap this thing off. <clears throat> okay, so back to NFL playoffs, wild card weekend. Um a game that I predicted correctly um and thoroughly I must say was the Seahawks and Rams game. The Rams versus Seahawks game. The Rams uh went up to Seattle and they 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 beat Seattle pretty good. 
Um, as I expected, a real defensive battle. I don't know how the Rams scored 30 points. I know they got a defensive touchdown and so forth, but <laughs> I just didn't see the Rams scoring 30, uh, given their quarterback um, questions and, you know, you know, all that type stuff. But um, let me talk about the Seahawks first. I knew the Rams were going to win this game. I was very surprised. That I, I like uh, I saw a lot of people picking the Seahawks to win this game, and I was very surprised. And I must say, Seattle they 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 got off to a such Russell Wilson in Seattle and this offense. They got off to such a blistering hot start. Um, a lot of down the field shots. They they were very explosive. One of the better offenses through weeks one through eight, really. Like. For the first eight weeks, they were a they were like a dynamic offense, and we thought, oh my gosh, you unlock Russell Wilson, uh, let Russ cook. He's gonna get you know he's gonna he's gonna get an MVP vote at least one MVP vote the way how he was looking um, in the first eight weeks. But then, like right around Thanksgiving. The offense just wasn't clicking, and probably even a little bit before that, like even before a little bit even before Thanksgiving, the offense of the Seahawks, um, it just became really conservative. Uh, it didn't you 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 didn't see a lot of the explosive down the field plays from DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, like like you've been seeing, or like you were accustomed to seeing the first eight weeks. And they kind of got away from that. Um, and then you know they ran into the Rams. The Rams defensive defensively, it was just never a good matchup for the Seahawks. The Rams, they're they. I don't think the people give enough. I don't think the, I don't think people give enough credit for how good defensively and how deep they are, how much depth they have defensively up front, especially. Um, they have really they the Rams have hit some home runs. With these picks, uh, with with picks in the defense, guys, um, Darius Williams, who made probably the best, one of the better interceptions that I have ever seen, given the the given the the difficulty of trying to pick off a screen pass, I just have never seen nothing like that. And then he had a house call; he took it. He, he had a pick six, so that was very impressive. He's playing; he's been playing well, and he's picked off Russell Wilson a few times already this year. So I don't think people give enough, you know, we think, you know, on defense with the Rams, we think about obviously Aaron Donald, who's one of the, who's arguably the, probably the best player in football. And one of the, I mean, if not one, obviously one of the greatest defensive players in football ever, but probably the best defensive tackle in league history. And then you also think about Jalen Ramsey, a shutdown corner, quintessential shutdown corner, physical, not afraid, um, backs up his talk, and, 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 and essentially shuts down one side of the field. And in three games versus D.K. Metcalf, D.K. Metcalf, or Jalen Ramsey, rather, Jalen Ramsey allowed four catches for 44 yards. So, so it shows you, like, how good he is. And we think about those guys automatically, but you got guys like uh, Floyd and I, I mean, just Morgan Fox. I mean, Michael Brockers. They have so many guys up front. They have so much depth where 
the they play such a physical brand of football offensively and defensively if you think about it with the way how they run the football you 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 really do like to see it um <laughs> you really do like to see it the rams there there that was a that that was a great game plan put together in seattle they fired and speaking of their struggles they fired um scott or, or excuse me brian schottenheimer um, due to philosophical differences, and you can see it, you can see it. There was there was an unequal balance. It got really conservative. So, um, not really surprised with that firing of Brian Schottenheimer as their offensive coordinator. Uh, I, you know, I thought Russ could have played a lot better, but it's what I predicted. It's what I predicted that the Rams would 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 I I predicted what the Rams would do. They did that. They got physical. I thought Russell Wilson was holding on to the ball a little too long, but the pass rush up front was just too much to handle for the Seahawks. And Seattle's offensive line, they have to rebuild that. They they really have to rebuild that. They 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 got to fix that offensive line before they do anything. They must fix that offensive line. But then I look at the Rams. Sean McVay Ever since he has taken over this job, he has done such a great job. And I, I don't want to hear it no more. Sean McVay, he's a top five coach in football. He is a top five coach in football. No, no matter what happens with the quarterback situation, the quarterback position, who's playing quarterback, he just finds a way to win games. He won this playoff game. Was he was not a favorite. He went into Seattle and out and just completely outcoached Pete Curl. Let's just call it like it is. Outcoach Pete Curl. Outcoach Pete Curl. And uh, Pete Curl, let's let's talk about that too. Pete Curl hasn't gotten to the, he hasn't gotten past the divisional round since in, in six years. So that's 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 also key to think about. But McVay, the Rams and McVay, the way how they have operated this Rams team over the last few years is has just been amazing. But let me tell you the one downfall of the Rams. And I'm a and you guys know I've been really high on the Rams. All throughout the year, I think this. I think the Rams team, this Rams team, is the best suited in the NFC to go up to Lambeau and win a game. Possibly, I'm not saying they will, but they are the best suited to do so. I think they're. I think they're better suited than New Orleans. Um, I think they're better suited than Tampa Bay, for obvious for you know for those reasons I, I that I already have listed. But the one downfall with the Rams is. The one downfall that they have is the Jared Goff contract. The Jared Goff contract. And I, I must admit, I was really high on Jared Goff. A lot of people were highly skeptical of this contract. But I'm like, he got you to the Super Bowl. He had a great playoff run. He had a good playoff run. But the con the cap hit on Jared Goff's contract is just otherworldly. The the cap hit is just crazy. And it just it shows you the Rams, they have done a lot right. I mean, they've done damn near everything right. They've hired Sean McVay as their coach. He's an offensive mastermind, offensive genius. And he and, and for some and for most for the most part, he covers up Jared Goff's shortcomings and limitations with his tiny hands. <laughs> He he covers up Jared Goff limitations in his tiny hands, but then that was a great hire. That was a great hiring. 
Um, they were able, obviously, they're gonna you're gonna try your best to retain Aaron Donald, the best defensive player in football. They went out and made a trade for Jalen Ramsey, a shutdown superstar corner. Um, they have drafted really well on both sides of the ball, mainly offense offensively. You got guys like Cooper Cup, um, that they have drafted Cam Akers that they have drafted. They have done a great job with drafting these guys um, and getting out of the Todd Gurley contract. They've done a good job. But the Jared Goff contract, that, that might be the downfall of the L.A. Rams. That that very well may be the down. And, and I'm not saying it's going to be detrimental. I mean, I'm not going to say I'm not going to say they're going to be a bad franchise or a bad team. But you look at the one flaw that they have. The one flaw that the Rams have as far as their salary cap and the coaching and so forth, the things that matter, the things that's going to win you a Super Bowl, the one thing that they messed up on or that may bite them is the Jared Goff contract. That may hurt them. That may hurt them. Um, I don't like, like I said, they're not going to be a bad team, but they're ceiling. Cause this 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 is a Super Bowl level defense. The way how this defense plays, it is a Super Bowl level defense. But Jared Goff and his limitations, I just don't think he can get you to the Super Bowl. And I know he got you there already, but can he win you and lift you over the top? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. And to ask Sean McVay to cover up all of those limitations, and then when you have to go again, go go up against a really good coach. Like you're going up like in the Super Bowl in the NFC Championship game, you're going up against really good coaches. You're going up against Andy Reid. You're going up against Bill Belichick. You're going up against either offensive or defensive masterminds. And to add Sean McVay to cover up all of these these to cover up all of Jared Goff's limitations, ah, it's a lot to ask. But the Rams, I'm, I, you know, this should be a really close game versus Green Bay. I'm gonna give you my, I'm gonna give you guys my pick. Uh, on Saturday, but it should be a really good game. It should be a really good game. Also, so you guys know I was talking about um, narratives, quarterback narratives, and I'm sure on Monday after the conclusion of all of these playoff games, I'm sure you guys heard some of those quarterback narratives uh, like Trubisky is not, you know, he, he he has limitations and he's just not the guy for Chicago that's going to lift them over the top and get them back to prosperity. Not going to happen. Um, Philip Rivers, after his wild card, his first career wild card loss versus the Bills on Saturday, I'm sure you guys probably heard, oh, yeah, once again, same old Philip Rivers. And then, you know, probably this is the year that he needs to retire. That he, he looks done. Um, Ben Roethlisberger, we already talked about the fraudulent Steelers, but Roethlisberger lost. And what did I tell you guys the narrative would be? Um, Ben Roethlisberger, Big Ben, looks looks old, looks sluggish, looks out of shape, not into it. That's what happened. Um, and you guys get the point. Like, you got, you got, you guys get it. And like I said, some of these narratives are going to be right. Some of these narratives are going to be wrong. But for the good share of it, looks like these narratives are right. Ryan, like, for instance, take a look at Ryan Tannehill and the Tennessee Titans versus the Ravens. Uh, first of all, 
big ups to Lamar Jackson for getting his first playoff win. He he shook off he he shaked off his narrative. Oh, he can't win a playoff game, and he he can't win from behind in the playoffs with that with that style of play. He did it. He was down ten points, and he did it. Um, and he was the main he was the main reason why the Ravens won that game. Like he put the Ravens on his back and won that football game. Now, right now, you guys can argue whether it was with his legs or with his arm, he won it. But you look at that Tennessee Titans game and that loss, it got you thinking about Ryan Tannehill. And Ryan Tannehill, uh, Derrick Henry did not have a Derrick Henry type day on the ground. Um, this was a very low scoring affair. I think I think this was like the lowest, like this is a low, this is a very, very low scoring affair in this game. Um, so when you look at Ryan Tannehill and I told you, I think I said his, his, his narrative would be if he would have lost, which they did, Ryan Tannehill narrative would be, oh, he's just a simple game manager who has, who, who, who has a ceiling, who puts up good regular season numbers, but he really can't win big in the playoffs. And that's somewhat of the, that's somewhat of the truth. Like, Ryan Tannehill was a good quarterback. Like Adam Gase in Miami, he's not as bad as he looked in Miami. Obviously, he's not as bad as he looked in Miami, but he does have a ceiling. He is a bit of a game manager, um, and he's just, you know, he's a little overpaid, but he plays the quarterback position. So, like you, you know, you can argue with that all day long, but he plays the most important position on the field. But he is, he he, he has a ceiling. He has a ceiling, um, and you probably can't win big with Ryan Tannehill. You can't. You probably can't. You probably cannot win big with Ryan Tannehill. But what did I tell you guys about the narrative about with Ryan Tannehill? I was proven correctly. Um, big Ben Roethlisberger. Roethlisberger um, did not look good. Big Ben did not look good at all. Um, and I must say, he looked out of all the, like, Drew Brees, Phillip Rivers, and Ben Roethlisberger. Those are all older quarterbacks, and they did not have spectacular days. But out of all of those quarterbacks, out of all three of those quarterbacks, Ben Roethlisberger looked the absolute worst. Um, he he was not in shape. He looked slow. He looked immobile. I mean, this was once a really good athlete. Now he's just uh, out of shape, not into it, beards. Like, you can't do that. That that's not how you stay in shape, and ultimately that the like the Steelers need to move on. He's no longer a quarterback. He's no longer in the condition to play a whole full regular season and and the post. He's just not. He's just 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 not built for it anymore. Just not. So that the Ben Roethlisberger narrative was proven correctly. Um, Russell Wilson in Seattle. Um, I told you guys, Russell Wilson is elite. He's an elite quarterback. But him and Pete Curl have yet to reach past the divisional round in the last six years. I don't know. Why is that? Some, they've had injuries over the last few years. Um, defenses weren't always the greatest. But Russell Wilson did not play well in this game. Um, and he was he was limited. And also, he got – now, the offensive line was – like, the interior of the offensive line was just horrible – but Russ did hold on to the ball too long. And once again, this is another year where Seattle does not make it past the divisional round. Hmm, I don't know. 
I'm not saying Russell isn't a great quarterback. He's he's for sure elite. Um, he's definitely elite quarterback and a top five, and, and and probably still a top five quarterback in most people's eyes. But um, they haven't. That, but the fact of the matter is, they haven't gotten past the division around the last six years. So that's the narrative on them. The narrative. Um, Ben Roethlisberger, uh, Mitch Trubisky, Mitch Trubisky, can't really blame like the in the like you can't entirely blame the loss on him, but you could tell he has limitations. He's not it. And that's about it. Like I told you guys, Washington, the Washington football team, they had nothing to lose. Um, they were they they played Tampa Bay pretty close, as I as I imagined, as I as I predicted. They played them pretty closely. Um, Brady was <laughs> Brady was magnificent um in that game versus Washington on Saturday. But Washington, you know, Alex Smith didn't even play. They 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 Taylor Heineke made his first career playoff star and played pretty well. But um, they had nothing to lose. Washington had nothing to lose. Washington, the Washington football team had absolutely nothing to lose in that game. But um, <clears throat> those are the narratives that we went over. And some of them, most of them turned out to be right about as far as the loot, as far as the losing quarterbacks. But um, that's going to do it. I don't want to hold you guys any much longer. Thank you guys for tuning in to another episode of the IKP Isaiah Kid Podcast. Um, shout out to all the first time listeners. Shout out to all the regular listeners. Shout out if you heard if uh, if a friend sent you this podcast. Thank you guys. I I greatly appreciate it. Um, always remember two choices, one decision. Hope you guys have a great day. Also, I'm gonna have I'm coming soon. I'm gonna be having some player interviews, some interviews, some special guests. Stick you just sit tight. We're gonna we I, I trust me. We're about to go to the next level. But thank you guys for tuning in to another episode. Uh, I bid you adieu. Adios. See you guys. Peace. Deuces. Gone.